Hi, this is Pam Electric Ghost. We have a skeleton on the air, right? Yes. Okay, great. So um, this is our podcast where we interview uh, indie artists from around the world. And I'm glad you joined us. Thank Um, you for having me. It's great. So, um, yeah, just a little background. I don't know if everybody's aware. You know, we've been interviewing people for about two years. We used to be on a different platform called Spearman. But uh, now we're on the Anchor app. And uh, this app is pretty cool because it actually publishes a podcast uh, to uh, to Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Radio Public, and about like six other um, podcast platforms. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we just like to be able to give indie artists um, a platform to, uh, you know, talk, talk to them and let them be able to kind of give a, a good history about why they, they they're in the music business and what you know what motivates them and what how they write their songs and that's kind of what we do so maybe you want to kind of give um our uh, audience like a, a brief background and you know exactly what type of um work you're doing and you know anything you're currently working on or shows you're going to be doing definitely um i am a dj and a producer i go by the name skeleton I've been doing music for about three years now. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I um, I'm a multi-genre artist, but I mostly focus on dubstep, and that kind of EDM scene is really um, important to me. And definitely, um, I have a couple of collaborations coming out with some really awesome artists that I've met, and. Um, I don't really have any like big EPs or albums coming out, but I do release music pretty much every month. I have another single that comes out. Um, so constantly working on music, constantly releasing stuff and um, playing a lot of shows in the Los Angeles area. And that's kind of what I'm all about. So, so when did you, you started, um, you know, recording as skeleton like, for the last three years, but um, how long have you been in music? Um, like just been a fan of music or even like just found out that you had the talent to be able to create your own music. Um, I definitely started doing music a little bit longer ago, but I didn't, um, start my skeleton project till about three years ago, but I want to say I've been doing music now for almost like five years total. Mm-hmm. So, so as a, as a musician, like as a DJ, there's a whole different skill set than like a traditional um, musician use different types of tools so maybe you want to uh, talk about like what kind of um, you know tools do you use as a DJ to create the music you you're, you do because you mentioned you multiple genres and uh, you do live performances so maybe you can tell folks like what what your your setup yeah so there's two different aspects to what I do there's the DJ part and then there's the producer part where I'm sitting down um, and I have a DAW, which is, I use FL Studio. And I basically produce the music that I play live. Um, And so, and then the other half is the DJ half where I um, use this program called Record Box, which is really um, common. And I put all my music on a USB and then I plug into um, what's known as CDJs, which are basically electronic turntables that is the industry standard that most clubs and festivals have. And, um, and that's how I play live basically. 
So do you use like a Pioneer DJ? System? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's specifically, because I'm a, I'm a pretty technical guy. Which Pioneer model are you using? So I have Nexus 2000s. Okay. Um, and then I have a DJM 900 mixer, I believe, or 400. I can't remember off the top cool. of my head. So you use yeah. FL Studio like on a, on a Mac or a PC? Yeah, on a Mac. On a Mac, yeah, it's preferred method. So do you use um, the actual, just totally the computer? Or do you use like MIDI interfaces, like MIDI keyboards or controllers? or? No, I don't have any of those awesome like bells and whistles. I'm just a mouse and just my computer and that's it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a different, it's a whole different world because, you know, I'm, I'm as a musician, I'm a keyboardist. So I kind of started, you know, from the traditional keyboard. But in the last five years, I've been using alternative input methods, like, you know, sequencers and, you know, different types of things like MPXs and different types of sequencers that are not traditional instruments. Because a lot of electronic music, you don't necessarily have to use a keyboard to create it. Definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, it definitely helps to have a keyboard, but um, it's not required at all. Yeah, it's no, totally not required, but there's a little history lesson in electronic music. The original synthesizers that Moog, you know, created Robert Moog back in New York in the sixties, they didn't even have keyboards. It was you would just use the actual this method, which is you know the creation of the sound through the way the oscillators work. You didn't act. It is later that you know traditional musicians wanted something that was familiar, so they the keyboard. This is Van Electric Ghost, and our supporter, CIN Pals, is having a promotional contest where you can win $500. You just have to call them at 786-562-7601. If you call them at 786-562-7601. You can also email CIN Pals at cinpalsinfo at gmail.com. cinpalsinfo at gmail.com. Their website is www.cianpals.com. Again, CIN Pals, a new type of social network, is having a promotional contest, and you can win $500. Check out CIN Pals at www.cianpals.com or call them at 786-562-7601. That's 786-562-7601. Email again is cianpalsinfo at gmail.com. CIMPowsInfo at gmail.com. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Hi Skeleton. Um, Sorry, you got disconnected. Yeah, I mean, make sure your Bluetooth isn't on um, on your cell phone. And or maybe if you make sure you're in a good, like, Wi-Fi environment. But um, luckily, yeah. the, um, the way we do this, um, the Anchor app allows us to have segments. So the first sec- sec- uh, part of our call we actually just, you know, we'll be able to include that in the second part. We'll just be a segment that will kind of run smooth and we can trim things. So we'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, what I was just going through is like the whole, it's, it's interesting to me as a, as a, you know, traditional musician and, and producer myself, you know, I have my own home studio, but I kind of record, you know, using keyboards and sequencers and drum machines and, mm-hmm. and the hardware method, which is different than a DAW. But I mean, I, I'm familiar with DAWs, but I, I think it's really cool that DAWs are allowing a lot of people into the music business where, you know, before you had to be a guitar player, a bass player, a piano player, 
to actually be able to create music and um, kind of going full circle was what I was trying to get at. But yeah, so that's really cool. So, so like your influences in terms of, of a DJ, who are your influences in terms of, um, you know, the type of music you create? I would say like my, some of my really direct influences have been artists like um, Zomboy, Excision, Dion Timmer. I don't know if any of these names ring any bells to you, but um, those are some really key influences for me. Um, also an artist by the name of Keizo and um, an artist by the name of Allverse. <laughs> so are these all uh, like DJs? Yeah, they're all, all like electronic musicians. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so are they all DJs or some of them are actually... They're all DJs they're all and DJs. they also make all their own music as well. They're all artists. Okay. So a lot of... So, so when you say you make your own music, some DJs, like, they um, they rip samples or they take, like, layers, things like, you know, like hip-hop rap artists. So when you say you're in FL Studio, are you creating original compositions? Yes. Yeah, original re- music. That's, that's really cool because a lot of... Um, you know, pure musicians have always kind of been somewhat critical of, of um, you know, DJs that, that rip other music and maybe not pay the copyrights. <laughs> Just because in the business, yeah. that, that becomes like a big issue sometimes because there are people who, who write music and create music. And then there are people, some people that like are good producers. And not that you can't be very musical as a producer, but if you're creating your own rhythms and beats, that's really, I think that that's a different type of um, area. So, yeah. I, that's interesting that yeah that that you're a lot of your the people you mentioned I, i'm not as familiar with and i'm a big music aficionado <laughs> but like, <laughs> a lot of what i go back to like the last like 30 years like jazz rock you know yeah that we're talking yeah about. i definitely grew up listening to a lot of different genres I, I had a dad who was super into rock and roll and raised me on a lot of traditional bands like Iron Maiden and Metallica and Rush and oh. so like that's what I was raised on and it wasn't until later in life that I discovered electronic music and that's really like it really spoke to me. So do you think that you actually um, incorporate any of that stuff that your father liked like some of the rock and somehow sneaking in a, a bit? I think it might just because it's easy for me to recall. Mm -hmm. But I think overall in terms of like writing, I feel like the two genres are very different. Yeah. A lot lot of what's going on is like, well, progressive like rock um, from a keyboard standpoint, you know, a lot of electronic, early electronic music, you're talking about like Emerson, Lake and Palmer Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Genesis and, you know, the early, you know, experimentation that Pete Townsend did on synthesizers. You know, a lot of the early synthesizer work, it's all, you know, very abstract and, and kind of different and, and a lot, you know, not exactly what's going on today, but um, it, it's interesting that a lot of the DJs are pushing the, the envelope forward with a lot of capabilities. Have you thought about using like, like outside of the DAW, using like, like a Moog or a Roland synth or a Prophet synth to kind of bring in? those type of technologies are you just using like vsts through like fl studio yeah so right now i just use vsts i mean i wouldn't mind using some external hardware it's just um i haven't done enough research Mm -hmm. into like you know the different you know there's so many different models and kinds and so i i just i think i need to do some research before i go out and i just spend a bunch of money and buy a 
big giant thing that I won't know how to use maybe properly. Yeah, I think a lot of what what you know musicians like myself we 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 kind of like it, the analog sound we mm-hmm. can't get from a VST, so we'll we'll kind of name drop Prophet or Moog or Oberheim. And the reason we would we we kind of love those instruments is we have a feeling that the analog synthesizers have like a character to them. That, they definitely do. That that we you know like Moby will use analog sense you know in, in a mm-hmm. lot of what he does. Um, uh, Dead Mouse uses a lot of modular Eurorack analog sense. Yeah. And his structure and there's a reason. Why? Because there's somehow there's some tones you can't get through a VST that you can get on an analog synth, and I think that's why they start to integrate that as they get further along um, mm-hmm. in what they do. But yeah, there's a lot of things on a VST that a lot of people can say, well, you could probably synthesize most of that. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who argue that you know the analog sounds can't be fully synthesized on a VST. But yeah. So, so your performances that you're doing, uh, how long have you been doing like live performances? Like three years now. Three years. Yeah. Is it primarily just in the Los Angeles area, or have you been able to do festivals outside of Los Angeles? Um, I've done San Diego and San Francisco, but I um, haven't done anything outside of California. Yeah. Because a lot of the music that that you're into is very big, you know, in 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 Asia. It's very big in. Uh, in places like the Netherlands and you know the Holland and in in Europe, yeah. so have, have you looked into maybe joining those bigger festivals that occur like in Europe or Asia? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think in time it's still kind of um, the early stages for me. I think there's just still so much like that I want to kind of perfect in my sound, and then it's. Um, I'm I'm very particular about like management and labels and signing contracts and mm-hmm. so it's very um it's a very thin line to cross I guess in a way that like I could but I also don't want to sign like a contract that would say you know I have to stick with this management for the next 5 years or something so I'm yeah. just kind of like treading right. lightly and I think in time I mean I definitely hope in the next like two years or so that I'll definitely be doing a lot of international bookings. I just think it's, it's in time. I'm just being patient about things and not rushing into anything. So you're running as a purely indie artist without, you know, having like a label support that would put you on a big tour like that right now. Cause you you don't want to be tied down by a label contract. Yeah. I mean, I I have a booking manager, but I definitely don't have like a giant label or anything right now. But your booking manager is more for a local scene, or yeah. California mm-hmm. capability. So, but a lot of it is like you're saying that you, as a musician, you want to grow to a point before you hit that kind of type of circuit. Cause there yeah, is, yeah, there is. There is well, you that. have more like, I guess, power or more say. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into a label and you say, "I have ten thousand followers," rather than "I have two thousand followers," well if you have a, a bigger following or that you you kind of have a little bit more say and maybe the things that would go on if that yeah. makes sense yeah because i mean they'll put you on a on a treadmill you know when you're if you you have to have a little more clout like you, you are yeah. like if you come in there you got like 200,000 followers then you can kind of dictate 
what to do rather if you had 10 or 20. Um, exactly. And so then you don't have to be put on the schedule where you're running, burning yourself out, you know, mm-hmm. because part of the, you know, part of the industry issue sometimes is like you can get on the circuit and you can kind of get run ragged. Definitely. And, and, and it's part of, you know, being an artist, are you a performing artist where you want to be performing like 200 shows a year or you are a recording artist and you want to be able to focus on the art and then perform, you know, when you feel you've got your art ready. There's like different types of people have different motivations. You know, some people yeah. want to be on stage like so much that they'll make that the primary thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is like actually just sitting and recording a lot and perfecting your, your talent, you know, and working with as many people as possible. So you're saying you were collaborating Maybe could you go into some of the collaborations you're working on? Yeah, so I have a collaboration with um, another artist by the name of Miauza. And um, we just finished up a dubstep collaboration that's a little bit spooky in time for Halloween. It's kind of got like a little bit of like old horror movie vibe undertones to it. It's kind of more of a dark song. Um, It'll come out around Halloween or on Halloween my SoundCloud so that one I'm definitely really excited for and then I have another collab coming out with um, two other artists one by the name of Spookles and one by the name of Isodope and that's the first time I've ever done like a three-way collab so um, and that one we just started so it's in like a very rough stage right now so I don't know maybe that one give it a couple months and it'll come out so the other artists you're collaborating with are they're all EDM type DJs or they actually, yeah. yeah okay have you ever thought of collaborating with like a full like indie band? No, I've never thought about that. Yeah, but just different different things they like to do as artists, you know. Because um, I think part of what's really interesting today, you know, as, as I interview people from multiple genres, um, mm-hmm. is like hip hop artists like to introduce like like rap, um. In, in as well as jazz and rock and other genres all at once. If you look at a guy like Kendrick Lamar, he actually mm-hmm. performed with a live band. They had like live bass players and keyboardists and they tend to have like a jazz background integrating into hip hop along with the mm-hmm. DJ. Um, and so there's a lot of you know, kind of genre mixing in multiple yeah. areas. Though there you can be a pure artist and want to stay within a certain area. So have you thought that, you know, you just like this genre so much you wouldn't want to cross over into other ones? I mean, I think it's definitely cool to cross over and pull inspiration from, but um, I would say for the most part, I just truly like to stick to EDM. Okay. So that's, 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 you know, that's, that's what, you know, who you are as an artist. So that's cool. Yeah. So you've been focusing on just like making it, um, you know the the best type of EDM music you can, and so so maybe you can kind of describe when you write a song. Do you have like a a real clear vision of what you want to do, is, or is it kind of like a um, like a sequential effort where you just kind of keep on building until you get where you want to be? Do you do you kind of picture the whole piece of music all at once, or does it become like a project that takes um... a, a lot of time? I I definitely don't think that I ever really go in with a plan. Um, for the most part, I will just like open up my DAW and I'll open up like um, Serum is what I use to make a lot of my bases in, in dubstep. And I um, 
we'll start out with the like a sound design session so I'll start to make something and you know depending on like what comes out because every every day it's kind of different or some days I have better sound design days and sometimes I just I can sit there for hours and I'll just make you know kind of like garbage and it won't sound good to me and I'm really particular about the way I like my basses to sound and things like that so if I get something that I really like I will then like put some drums over it and then try to make like a basic drop pattern and I always start with the drop of my songs because that in EDM is the most important it's kind of like the chorus and so it should have the most focus whereas like if I were to go in and write an intro first and I've totally done this where I've written like a really beautiful intro and I can't find a drop to fit it kind of, if that makes sense. So I always do the drop first and then the intro. And then once I have like, that'll, that'll usually be like a minute to a minute and a half worth of music. Then I do kind of like a break where it's like um, 32 bars of kind of a break and then back into like an intro type build and then a second drop and then an outro. And that's kind of how I do my songs. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause like, like the EDM format has like a structure that kind of reminds me like when, when disco existed, there was a certain structure of disco. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you were writing disco songs, you had to kind of stay within that um, in order yeah. for it to be called a disco song. And so EDM has characteristics like the drop, and and you know that in in the actual you know structure of the beat that can yeah. keep it in a certain um like there's a certain like uh you know the the genre of rules like you're in a certain path that if you're gonna be in that music you have to kind of be in that structure yeah but do you find that to be really uh, something that drives your creativity to be able to fit in that structure and make sure that you stay within that the kind of confines of it. Or do you try to like push anything, you know, to kind of maybe be a little bit different or do you like to just stay within that structure? Um, yeah, it definitely depends on the, on the, like the specific type of song that I'm trying to make. Um, sometimes I don't, um, you know, put even two drops in. There's, there's been a trend going on in, in the dubstep community of um, a style of DJing called chopping where you switch back and forth between two songs very quickly mm-hmm. to kind of meld them into one song and to kind of accommodate the style of DJing. Produ- uh, electronic music producers have been making songs with longer drops so that, and, and it's all in one drop. So instead of doing a 30 second drop and then a break and then a build and then another 30 second drop, they'll just do a drop for three minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it'll, and then it'll go to an outro. So it kind of accommodates the style of DJing. So there's been a shift from the typical like two drops to a one drop, if that makes sense. So that yeah. there's yeah. more room for this type of technique of DJing called chopping. Yeah. I think what happens is sometimes like if you get, get into a genre and it's too limiting, then then sometimes it can kind of burn itself out. Like if everybody's heard that structure mm-hmm. so much, that's kind of what happened to disco. The disco beat became so limiting that it kind of, you know, burned itself out. There's certain audiences that, we, you know, we kind of heard everything we can hear with that mm-hmm. structure. Um, and so it's cool that, you know, DJs are deciding to do alter it 
in in ways to kind of have different you know imagine you can imagine as a musician you want to try to open things up and allow some you know creativity within the genre and then kind of push it on the edges of, of mm-hmm. what you can do and still still be in that type of music so i mean like yeah. the blues i mean there's a certain thing about the blues i mean if you go back to the blues the structure is the same all the time um if, if you're a blues artist you're going to stay within that structure but how you choose to you know work within it you can still be very innovative mm-hmm. you know you get a guy like a jack white he comes along and you've got like led zeppelin you got different bands you can have a different take at it and then it feels fresh because Jack White's, you know, vision of the blues feels a little more fresh than Zeppelin because more current. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, you know, within every genre, you can, there's different limitations that kind of keep you like when a certain structure. And that's mm-hmm. where like cross genre stuff is kind of interesting because when you can kind of break it and then see how far you can go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the music is what it is. And so, like, a blues musician is always going to be within that, you know, kind of blues structure. A jazz musician will be in, like, you know, free jazz or they're doing different types of uh, traditional jazz. You know, a Brubeck or a Miles Davis is totally different. Um, so, just wondering, um, do you have you thought about doing any kind of video um, um, promotion for the songs you're doing? Have you worked on anything visually? Um, I'm actually, it's funny that you asked that. I literally, um, just, uh, am in the process of working with a videographer on like a small little, like promotional video for my social media to tease like a teaser of my new song that's going to come out next month. Um, and so we're just starting to brainstorm on that. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what you had in mind, but that's the only type of like video thing that I've done or experienced yeah because i've seen a lot of people you know within edm community use uh you know all kinds of different lighting capabilities you know laser shows you know video displays on leds um screens that will go with their music and it's actually like very structured to to tie to the beat of the exact mu- music it's part of the whole presentation oh. and i'm just wondering if you were thinking of integrating that kind of stuff into your music so that's more on the performance side than um, on the, I guess, the musical side, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, for all of that kind of like large production scale, I would need a specific lighting and the sound guy at, at my shows. And the thing about a lot of the shows that I play is they already have the lighting and the sound guys booked. So there's no way that I could bring in a lighting guy to do those type of like mm. screens yeah. right at the, you know, the right at the exact time or, or the lasers because they, they've already booked those people ahead of time for me. Okay. So the only way that I could do something like that is if I was like booking my own venue and then, you know, I would have to rent a huge stage setup and a laser panel and a, and a light, you know yeah. the led screens and things like that and then i would book my own lighting guy to do those type of effects yeah i mean yeah so i mean it's a position you're in now you're not thinking about doing that but i mean like maybe like the promotional video um direction where you could actually you know send something out to like you know instagram or facebook or youtube mm-hmm. or i guess the other direction you can go because then you don't have yeah. to do that 
so then you could build custom like videos which it sounds like that's the direction you're going like you're going to take like some kind of video um project and tie it to your song and for yeah. effect. Mm-hmm. and one of the cool things that's coming out this year is a company called teenage engineering and they make like a hardware workstation called um the op1 and they have this other one called opz and the cool thing about the opz it's a it's a it's a hardware workstation that's the size of a tv remote but included in it is a lighting control system that will actually work at clubs and you can just plug it in and it will and then the cool thing about it it's a it's a it's a synthesizer workstation so if you build a song you can build the lighting to go with the song and you can build the video to go with the song. And it's all in this one device mm. and it uses like USB MIDI. And then you can connect to the standard systems at clubs and then have your song, your lights and your video all being generated from this device. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, you know, it's like a $600 device, but it's a piece mm. of hardware that allows you to, you know, use your, your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac to integrate visual information and lighting information into your show yourself as the artist. That's cool. So it's something you might want to look into because it's it's a big, it just, it's coming out. It's been announced for the last two years and a lot of artists have been looking for it. A lot of electronic musicians like myself, but a lot of DJs have been looking at it too. And um, it's finally being released, uh, you know, Sweetwater and, ZZ Sound and all these big um, online re- retailers. I don't work for them or anything, but I'm just very interested in, in hardware that allows you to do stuff as an artist and hardware that's like reasonable p- priced. And this thing is a pretty cool machine that I think would give a, a, somebody like you a, a, a capability that be able to do stuff yourself, you know, without having to pay somebody else. Yeah. Which, um, is part of the whole indie effort, the whole idea of having the DAW is that you can be a producer yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, have somebody else do it. You can do it yourself. And this is the same kind of idea when it comes to vi- yeah. visuals. So, um, yeah, I'm always into new technology like that. And I think it kind of goes along with um, kind of wh- where you're going. Definitely. So, so like a lot of, um, what you do is on SoundCloud, right? Or do you have other places yeah. that you actually push your music? So I have a SoundCloud. I have a Spotify, um, iTunes. Um, my music is also on um, like Google Music, Napster, Pandora. So it's kind of all over the place. Okay. So like we can push out on our um, podcast your SoundCloud link, and we can also push out your Spotify and your um your iTunes so, so if you've got I'm actually on on the SoundCloud now looking at like a lot of the material you have out there so yeah so, oh, yeah we can you. we can actually include hyperlinks in the podcast itself um so when it goes out on Anchor you can actually see the links and then click on them um to go directly to certain songs we could put your overall profile okay you, I see it on your SoundCloud you have your Instagram and your Facebook and your Twitter and yeah. we have like a free download link um, so those type of things we can actually include okay cool yeah so so it's cool that, that you've been producing your own music and part of what we always ask people 
is a lot of times um like people are kind of hesitant to do their own music but a lot of musicians that when they have the drive that they're going to sit there and like i'm gonna i have something to say and i'm going to do my own music rather than cover people so i think like when did you feel like you had this drive to be an artist that you wanted to create your own um you know art um, it actually started when I was a sophomore, I think, in high school. Um, it was, I, I had just started listening to electronic music. Um, and at the time, this was way back, I think like 2011, the, really the only genres that were out at the time were hardstyle, trance, and house. And that was about it. And then I, at, at, I think 2000. 10 2011 I don't remember the exact day um Skrillex released his first EP Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites and I was in high school at the time and I heard that literally like the day it came out and it just changed my perception of music like for the rest of my life I was just like I don't know what this is but I love it I want to I want to do this like what is this like it just sparked something in me I went home from school that day and I went on the computer and I was like how does Skrillex make his music and I googled it and um FL studio popped up and like I was like you know like 15 at the time and I didn't have $800 for music production software mm -hmm. so I started off with like free music editor programs and I actually started making like mashups where I would take one song and then I would like very poorly edit it into another song because that that's really like I was like, that's really what I wanted to do. And I started doing that. And then at the age of 18 is when I finally, I got a job and then I could buy a DAW, which I've been on FL Studio ever since. Um, and then started making music here and there. Didn't really pick up for me until like a year later, I think. Maybe like mid-19 is when I was really like, okay, you're going to buckle down and this is like what you're going to do. And so it's like from that point on, I do it pretty much every day now. And I would say I've released a, like starting May of, I think 2017 was when I released my first song. And, and, and then every month since then, I release a new song on my SoundCloud and, I, and my Spotify and things like that. And I give it out for free download. So a lot of music just always always just music music it's gotten to a point now where I produce more than my monthly release schedules so I have like a stockpile starting which is something that I've never experienced before <laughs> and so now it's like oh great now I have 12 songs that I don't know like what to do with so so they're just kind of like sitting there and I'm like oh maybe I could put it out as an album but then I kind of wish I had a label to put a big album out like that on mm -hmm. so just kind of like holding them and and waiting for the right time to release and things like that yeah so, yeah I think yeah. I find it's like the creative people you know once it starts it kind of like when you we have once you find like your muse and you know you have your tool you have your instrument you know in FL Studio is your instrument and your in your Mac is like you like your, your keyboard or you know to a keyboards but it allows you to go out there and create and seems like skrillex was like your beetle moment because if you talk to a lot of tradition hi hi sorry no we got cut off again that's okay but i was kind of just going through like a lot of musicians will say like but what was the you know who who actually inspired you to become an artist 
you mentioned Skrillex. I was kind of going on about traditionally, like a lot of people would name check the Beatles. You know, it would say, well, that's why I got into music. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like that that's your 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 moment. And then you actually did the research because this is the internet era. You were able to figure out, you know, what tool he was using. And then you got into it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, they did the same kind of thing. They looked at John Paul, George, and Ringo, and they said, well, you know, what kind of guitars are they using? What were they doing? And then they went and got it. It became bands, you know, because they saw what they did on Ed Sullivan. And then they were like, wow. And they went to do the same things. It's a different generation doing a similar thing in, in yeah. a way, the way I see it. But um, that's really cool that, 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 you know, that you can get inspired by somebody, you know, you're a fan, and then you decide that you're going to become, you know, an artist. Yeah. And it tends to be what happens. It's like a lot of musicians will, will, will name check their big, you know, influences. Um, and, and it's always like they, they were always, you know, fans first and then became musicians after. You know? mm-hmm. Definitely. I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of artists. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some people, you know, they, they get intimidated. They don't think they could become an artist. They don't yeah. ever feel like like unless i can play exactly like jimmy page i can't be a guitar player oh listen i don't play a single instrument and i can make music so i i really truly believe that anybody could make music was kind of interesting because like back in 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 the day i go i kind of name check my i'm like 50 years old guys Uh, but um uh, a lot of people look at the punk movement as the thing that made music accessible because Mm -hmm. if you go back you know, in the 70s and the 60s, you had such virtuoso people like Clapton and, and Hendrix and Page. And there were people that like, well, you know, I can't be a musician unless I can be like that. And then yeah. had the like the Sex Pistols and the Clash kind of opened it up that like you, you don't have to be, you know, even the Ramones. You look at like the punk music movement made it so people felt like I could be a musician. And I think it seems like the DJs and EDM artists are like the same kind of thing. It means that people could go and think, what, what are they using? They're using FL Studio. They're using, you know, uh, Pro Tools. They're using something. And then they, you know, if people, I have a laptop, I go do that. And and I think that's really cool because it's creating a whole new area of uh, music where there's a wide array of creators now. That's yeah. not limited to the studio system where, you know, previously there was a big gate to becoming a musician. You had to go through the studios. You had to go to big recording, um, uh, you know, operations. And there was a gate. You couldn't get in unless you you passed that. And now you have SoundCloud. You have all these social medias. And you can put your own artist, art, art, you know, music up there. And then eventually you can actually be a a touring, producing musician without going through that gate. Yeah, it happens every day. Even, you know, someone like Post Malone who's a rapper um, started putting his music up on the internet. And then now he's like, you know, a huge artist, you know, Grammys and everything. So like, it just, you never know now with the internet and, you know, everything being so readily available that you never know, like who might hear your music and then want to work with you or sign you or, you know, things like that. Yeah. It just seems like you still need like the studio structure to tour or to really get, you know, pushed. But, you know, what happens is like the internet gets you in the door and you can get out there and be indie to a certain mm-hmm. degree. And then you have to work with like, you know, 
some people in the industry to go to the next step. But to get in the door now, you can actually do it yourself. But just the drive of your your passion for for your music. So it just seems like there's a lot of passionate people that really believe in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the pain, the main thing which you have, and you're out there. And then from there, people find you. You know, your audience finds what you're doing, and you 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 create your audience. Yeah. And and then the next step is just trying to build that with the right people, finding the right people to help you to push that. You know, and then that then it kind of evolves even further, but. It seems like that's where where you're going. You're trying to make the right choice with the right people to push your your material. But yeah, you're you're totally on the right step. And I, I like talking to all different types of artists. I mean, I've only talked to maybe two other DJs, and we're always trying to include more genres. You know, we tend to talk to mm-hmm. a more traditional indie artists, but we like like to talk to anybody doing music. We feel like any genre deserves to be get attention. Definitely. I'm the same way. I love all genres of music. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to get out here because we, we found it, you know, a couple of years ago, we started doing this and we initially were doing, you know, we're electronic musicians, like synthesizer, you know, fanatics. And I had a show where we just talked about synths, but then I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's kind of limited. Um, I'm a synthesizer player. I like synths, but maybe I should talk about something else. And I started to interview artists that were outside of my genre. And that's how I got here. And uh, so it kind of shows that, you know, you can, you can kind of be in your area. And then when you decide to open up, you know, then it opened up this whole idea that I could talk to any artist, no matter what genre. Yeah. And so that's, that's why we're here. So if, if there are other artists that you like, or maybe are interested, you can send them our way. Cause we like to give people an opportunity to talk, you know, if you, if you like what we're doing and uh, yeah, as you progress, if you get more, um, uh, types of uh, you know promotions that you want to do or you want to push a project you can always come back to us and we we can talk about that definitely yeah I definitely um, have a lot of friends in the industry that I can send your way and um, always releasing new music so yeah, definitely we would definitely want to get more EDM artists on the show uh, we've been kind of focused on a lot of like um, indie artists but but more traditional like pop singers and bands and you know traditional mm-hmm. type of music and so we realized there's a lot of cool things going on in the space you're in so yeah the funny thing about electronic music is that it feels so underground yeah yeah it, it's and and it's always felt underground since the 90s you know since its start and but what's really weird is is that like I I used to go to big festivals and I don't anymore but I, well, I would go to these festivals with 50,000 people just for electronic music and then how on the same hand it feels so underground. And then, so it's like really, it's strange and it's not um, generally something that's recognized by a lot of like um, traditional music, I guess. Or like, yeah. I always feel like at the Grammys, there's like one electronic music award and it's basically dominated by the pop space and the and the rap and and you know i definitely think those deserve to be awarded but i wish you know they would recognize more electronic music artists because i don't really feel like we're appreciated does that make sense yeah i mean it's like we're just kind of like thrown aside yeah and i think a lot of people don't realize and they look at the numbers and they and they look at someone even like dylan francis that 
releases an album and it goes double platinum and then you know no one even realizes that it's like that huge yeah it seems like like the the promotional structure is still geared toward you know the traditional record companies that Mm -hmm. that want to have pop stars or or rap stars you know it took rap a while to finally get to the place that it's at but electronic music is kind of like like punk and college radio music, the kind of music I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like bands like Radiohead, REM. And I kind of come from that kind of tradition of, of the kind of college radio alternative type of rock bands that still don't get, you know, the big, big press that, that the pop stars get. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, EDM is kind of like punk to me. You know, like, you know I'm, I'm a big punk rocker into like who's to do and the replacements and Paul Westerberg, like the old, like, you know, hardcore indie music and that music never really gets appreciated that well either um, critically it will you get a lot of critics that like it but it seems like edm is kind of relegated to this kind of college radio kind of aspect uh, yeah where it lives on the soundcloud lives on the social media you can have these really big events you know you can have burning man you can have these really big concerts and 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 shows but it seems like the radio doesn't know what to do with it you know, in, yeah, in, definitely. Well, American radio, I mean, it comes to like kind of stuff I like, you know, hardcore punk, industrial metal, you don't really hear mm-hmm. that no. on the radio either. And so, no, it, it's all dominated by, you know, kind of like payola, probably. <laughs> what's <laughs> going on is like there's certain, you know, people that are controlling what, what's in that genre. And I've yeah. always liked the BBC because the BBC, they actually play like everything. You know, they they have multiple genres going on all the time on the on the on the BBC, but American radio hasn't really learned that. You know, we we have yeah. the internet, but our radio is like you know, satellite radio. It probably you know does a little bit, but even then, it's still kind of stuck in the traditional radio format. Yeah, which you know, somebody's got to do something to to give us a better platform uh, for this music. Yeah. Which I think is why a lot of people have the, you know, the Pandora and the iHeart music, you know, iHeart radio app and things, you know, I feel like, and the SoundCloud app, I feel like the younger generations, we don't listen to traditional radio really anymore. Everybody's on their, uh, has got an app and they're making their own playlists and they're kind of listening to like what they want to. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on SoundCloud since 2008, you know, as, as the ghost and, you know, we went from like 1,800 followers into like 75,000 listens. That's kind of where we are now. But um, it, it just, you know, that's where my core audience is. We found Fan Burst. We've got like another 35,000 there. And that's wow. where, where where we are. And, you know, we kind of living at that like 100,000 people listening to us. But we're not, nobody really knows who we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we, you know, we've been able to do this show and I've been able to interview, you know, billboard arts on this show and i'm an underground indie artist and i've interviewed kendra erica she's a billboard artist and so i've been able to get to people who are a little higher a lot higher than where i am um in the industry but also talk to folks like yourself and they're like coming up and then the underground and i just think it's that there needs to be a little bit more attention to the underground and so that's why i do what i do to try to push um the, the the because, you know, the MTVs of the world don't do this. Where, you know, back yeah. in the day, they used to interview indie bands. They used to have, like, college radio. Like, on MTV a long time ago, they used to run it late at night. They used to have, like, indie bands. 
um, like Sonic Youth used to go and, and host a show at like from like midnight to like two in the morning and, and talk about all these indie artists. And he would have them come on and we'd talk to them and show their videos. And we don't see that, except on like YouTube, we see stuff like that. Maybe Twitch, we see people trying to do that. But it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have a big platform. No. And it really, you know, probably we get some internet entrepreneur that decides to make a like a brand new, like, you know, web-based video channel to push this stuff in a, in a way that would really push, you know, promote it and create a scene. You know, like the way MTV did, it really created a new wave scene for all yeah. the new wave artists. You know, Duran Duran wasn't going anywhere. But when MTV came out, they became like worldwide just because of that yeah. platform. Definitely. So hopefully that will happen. I do my little piece to try to push artists out there. I do appreciate you joining us. We do have like probably three segments on this episode that will be strung together. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, we kept getting disconnected. That's fine. They kind of work. It works good. Um, and they actually kind of sync together, so you won't really see that much of a difference. And okay. um, yeah, we'll publish um, sometime tonight, and I'll send you the links, and I'll attach you know, uh, any social media that I find. And if you've got specific uh, links that you want me to use, you can send them on on, on my Instagram. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I just, um, I don't have any like specific songs to push, but you can just um, link my SoundCloud, link my Spotify and like my iTunes if you want. And that's good enough for me or my Instagram, whatever works. Yeah. I've got um, those. I'll put those up. Yeah. If you, if you had a specific song, we can push that. But if you, if you want just your overall profiles, we'll push those. Yeah. Just the overall is fine. Um, you know, that's, that's fine with me. Okay, we're, we're great. We're, we love talking to you today, and, and we're hopefully we'll be able to talk to you. We'd like to see where people are maybe six months um, from now or if, sooner if you have a release. So, like, if in six months you have a lot going on, you get in touch with us. Or if you have something going on sooner than that, like a, a big release or a big effort or you're doing a concert, let us know and we'll push it on our social media. Okay. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for supporting my music and my art. No problem. We love supporting indie artists. So that's what we do. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Have a good night. (laughs) Thank you.